Hello, and welcome back to the Terror Express. It's been a while, and we're excited to be back. Excited to have Jimmy Presley back with us. And tonight, we are continuing our conversation on the Friday the 13th franchise, the Paramount Installments. In this episode, we are talking about Friday the 13th, Part 4, the final chapter. Welcome back, Jimmy. We are going to get your feedback on Part 4 and what you loved about it and what you hated about it. And uh, we'll get a little bit of feedback from me as to why Trish is not my favorite final girl. So welcome back to the Terror Express Terror Talk. Jimmy, how are you? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. I, I've been looking forward to talking about uh, the final chapter. Yep, so so have I. It's definitely one of the more sentimental ones in, in our collections. Uh, we know it was a first for both of us for a lot of things, including... Um, seeing how savage Jason can be and watching Jason run and the portrayal of Ted white as Jason um, fan favorite characters in this. And I know during our discussion that we had uh, recently, uh, you said that you were um, very strongly connected to these characters. If you want to start talking a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked in the previous episodes about how Friday the 13th, uh, namely the first one, affected me and scared me as a kid. Um, this one, I, for some reason, remember more for the the environment and, um, and you know, how the kids acted. Um, I was a little older when I finally saw this one, and it was just... I, it's hard to put into words. I don't even think I could really put it in words in our conversation recently, but... Um, this one hit me on so many levels at a certain age. I think I was kind of like in my age where you come to age and, um, mm -hmm. it just, it was the first movie I really looked at and said, you know, as a, I guess a maybe preteen, early teen, um, wow. You know, like there's a lot more <laughs> of these movies that seem to kind of make the blood boil a little bit. I, this was probably the first movie I remember seeing like the nudity and and noticing and not that i'm like trying to spotlight it you know yeah. and like the girls how pretty the girls were in the faces or you know what the yeah, guys we were, were we were we were at the coming of age section of our life um so we were we noticed things like that a little bit more up front so that's <laughs> totally relatable to a preteen uh, early teen age uh, horror fan watching these films yeah, it was the guys. I I learned real quick that you know watching Teddy and Jimbo that that's not the best mm -hmm. way to kind of handle walking into asking someone out on a date. Uh, you know, right, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't handle yeah. that too well, especially after Jimbo had, uh, if I remember correctly, had uh, broken up or had been broken up with or from BJ Betty. Let me let me let me restart that. <laughs> BJ Betty had broken up with Jimbo, so he was definitely feeling the the stirrings of, yeah. of needing needing companionship. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I, mean, I mean, he he just flat out says it himself. God, I'm horny. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I know it, you, it, you 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 said something too that that I I found very funny. You know, you had said that out of all the characters. And now I don't remember if it was a, the installment or the franchise, but I think it was the installment. You said Jimbo was the one you most associated yourself with character wise. Yeah. Why was that? 
Yeah, I was kind of, <clears throat> I, I always seemed to, I don't, I don't know what they were really trying to portray with the character, but as far as him stumbling over his words, and it was almost kind of like a straightforward, almost, I don't want to say like a, you know, the nerdy top, but mm-hmm. it is, he didn't seem like he fit in with like the cool crowd, which I never did. He was just kind of like, he was who he was. He wasn't afraid to act like who he was. And right. that's kind of who I was around my crowd, which is what, you know, he did in the movie. And I just, right. yeah, go ahead. I don't want to run that forever. But. And, no, I was going to say, no, you're fine. I was going to say, and he got the girl and he got the girl in someone else's bed. <laughs> so I mean, yes. he, he, he he worked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he worked it. Yeah, yeah I guess actually, he he got a uh, Tina, who I I would consider one of the most likable characters in that movie. I thought the twins were very likable, even though they were, uh, I guess, what you can say, homewreckers. They were definitely flirting with the guys that they knew were involved with other women, but I don't know. There was something about the twins that <laughs> that I really liked yeah. and that I thought was fun. You know, and uh, I think I think part four actually had a lot of, like you said, some of the some of the more relatable characters in the franchise. And there's a lot of scenes between Samantha and Sarah. There was a lot yeah. of scenes that are in a in an edited television version that because there's a lot of brutality cut out, they actually put in new scenes. There's scenes with Rob and Tommy and Sarah and um Sam, uh, there's really good scenes too. There, I remember a scene between the two women sitting out on the porch, and it was just a really nice, real moment between the two. And it really gave you the feeling that these two were really close, almost like a sisterly bond that they had. And it's a shame that we can't get a full version with all of the blood and all of the, the brutality, as well as the scenes that were added for that television cut with uh, the girls. And like I said, Robin. Tommy, when Tommy was uh, showing him his collection of his masks and stuff, there was a scene where he put his fingers kind of like in a guillotine. Did you see that? And the blade fell and it cut his hand off and blood was... I did, yes. Yeah, those, I would love a definitive cut with all of these scenes. I do too. I I strongly stand. I'm I'm one of those people that watch deleted scenes and I understand it like a director or producer's or company's perspective on trimming it for time, but I... I, when I see a deleted scene, for some reason, it feels like a part of the movie's laying there missing. And I mm-hmm. I usually agree with the f- that they need to be installed. Like, that's a part of it. It just added right. so much more depth. Right. And so. now we've got this definitive collection on Blu-ray that came out um, a little over a year ago, where every, every installment got a, an upgrade to 4K and a Blu-ray with all these extra perks a lot of these were actually recycled perks as well but why can't they give us that copy of these films where this footage exists and can be incorporated into it and still look 4k you know what i mean yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna go off a little off franchise here and talk about halloween 2 for just a moment the original halloween 2 not the rob zombie dumpster fire but um (laughs) actually we'll talk about that again in a later episode but there was there's footage for the television the televised version of halloween 2 that showed a little bit more story between michael and lori and that was put in to again make up for some of the scenes that were cut out and i would also love to see that movie brought together as one 
full version with all of the the stuff that we love with the new scenes added. And I don't know that they did that, but I would love to see that with that as well as part four, Friday the 13th. I don't know why these filmmakers, why they, why they can't just give us a full version. I know. I know it drives me nuts. I, the Halloween two television cut. Speaking of that, at the end where Jimmy, you know, Lance guest character survives in the ambulance. I, I like that. And, you mm-hmm. know, that developmental scene you were talking about in the hospital yeah. room. I, I, yeah, that just, why not add it? I just, yeah, I, I could fuss about that, about 50 movies right now, I could tell you. but Yeah, yep, exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, I had mentioned at the at the top of the episode um, that we would talk a little bit about why Trish was not my favorite final girl. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to, <laughs> I want to make a statement here. I do like Kimberly Beck's portrayal as Tr- as Trish. I think Trish is a very likable character, and I I was totally on her side. And I I'm not taking away from the character of Trish. I just don't think the third act, some of her decisions that she made, left her a little bit at the bottom of my favorite final girl list for the franchise. I think, as far as a Paramount installments go, she would probably be second from last with. Actually, I won't say who my last favorite, my final favorite final girl is. I'll I'll save that for that episode that's still coming up. But Trish falls second from last for me. And what did you think of Trish? I know yeah, we have I, a little bit of opposing views on this, and that's what I I'm going to love about our conversation here. Yeah, no, I, I liked her. Um, she always seemed to be in uh, you. The mom and Trish talked about the dad and mm-hmm. the, the split up. At the start, and you could tell she was almost trying to take, I don't want to say she was trying to take the place of the father, but she was almost like the extra mother figure to Tommy. And yeah. the way she was trying to protect him at the end, I really dug that. And it's nothing against anything you said at all. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has their taste. I just, for me, she's stronger for that. And the way mm-hmm. she did, you know, everybody remembers, I'm going to give you something to remember yeah. us by you know and mm-hmm. wax jason in the chest for that machete i just i'm like man that was pretty badass so she was standing her ground to protect tommy so and i love that but no she was a little other, on the other side of that this is this is my take uh, in the beginning like you said when she was talking to her mom she's this really lovable character you definitely get a sense of closeness between her and tommy in their scenes and in the the final moments yes she does give jason something to remember them by However, there's an entire scene and a couple moments leading up to that scene. And the, the moments leading up to the scene that I'm referring to is when Rob and Trish are in the tent and it's raining. And Rob explains that there's something, uh, someone is um, out there. Jason is out there, that he's escaped from the hospital. People are missing. And Trish is aware at this point, oh, my God, Tommy's alone at the house. And she's also aware that her mother is missing, which is why she was you know, out in the rain looking for her mother. So this is now, this is why Trish falls second from the bottom of my favorite final girl list. They go back to the house. Tommy is there. Rob is there. Gordon is there. They've got all this information. Trish knows something is wrong. It's raining out. They, they now know that the, the phone is not working. The phone is totally out of the question. The back door is busted because they had to break it to get in. So now the, the security of the house has been compromised. Trish is aware of all of this. And the fact that her mom hasn't come back, all of this dread is just piled on in this moment. 
And what does Trish do? She says, Tommy, stay here. Pretty much, fuck you, Tom. You stay here by yourself. I am taking the man. I am taking the dog. I am taking the weapon. And you are going to be in a house that has easy access because there's no lock on the back door. And there's no phone. But good luck. We're leaving you. (laughs) She took everything with her. Knowing that her mom was missing, knowing that Jason was there and that people were, were, were disappearing. Why didn't she say, come along with us or here, you keep the machete or here, you're going to keep Gordon here with you or let's just all get the hell out of here. But she didn't, she left him there. And I think those decisions put her at the bottom of my favorite final girl list. She endangered Tommy's safety. It's funny, the very stuff I was taking up for, uh, I never put two and two together there. Uh, you're right. I've seen that movie probably three or four hundred times and never really. Yeah, I mean, she, she does reclaim herself, though, when Jason breaks through the window after he throws Rob and, and she takes a hammer to Jason and she grabs Tommy and they run and she puts Tommy in front of her. So she's protecting him. And when the the TV over Jason's head or the computer, sorry, whatever that electronic was. And Jason's laying there and, you know, Jason has to decide at that moment, Tommy or Trish. And then Trish takes off running to lead him out of the house. I think from that moment, she kind of regains that protective status that I think she should never have lost. And then with the machete to the hand and you son of a bitch, I'm going to give you something to remember us by, you know, she kind of reclaims it. But the fact that she just put him in that situation in the first place in such a dire situation without <laughs> any means of protection. Wow. And then what's the, I, I had mentioned Gordon. What do you feel happened to Gordon? Did Gordon get thrown through the window from Jason or did Gordon jump because he was so scared and did he survive? What's your take on Gordon? I have to take it from what it looked like. And, you know, I know they had to try lots and lots with that dog, obviously to get him to do the stunt, but Mm-hmm. From what it looked like, it looked like he was scared shitless, and he just jumped out that window. I don't. I think I, I think so too. I think he jumped and he survived. Yeah, he might have very well survived. I never wanted to say he was actually dead. I was hoping at the end it would show him in the hospital, like Tommy holding him on mm-hmm. a leash there at the end when he went in to hug Trish. <laughs> you yeah. Know. Yeah, but, I think it's a few days after part two. Muffin is still out in those woods, and Gordon just went up with Muffin and had a good time. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, we can have a muffin lab running around Gordon, the next movie. Gordon had a happy ending. <laughs> I think let's, he may have been the only one. Yep. Yeah. Let's 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 talk a little bit about Tom Savini coming back in this one. He was obviously fans know the makeup effect master in the original Friday the Thirteenth, and who also um, supported the idea of hey, let's have Jason jump up and grab Alice. Now he's returning in the final chapter to be the one who takes Jason out, which was very fitting. Uh, what did you, what did you feel about the, uh, the effects in this one? And not only how they were executed by Savini, but the editing of them. What, what did that, how did that leave you feeling? I just, I hated the MP, uh, MPAA's uh, final cut at mm-hmm. the end. Um, I thought the effects were all great, but I thought the, the coup de gras was of course, when the machete hits Jason and the side oh, of the yes. head. Yes. They trim that so much. It's almost mm-hmm. like you have this. It's not as good a build as the end of part three. The chase was great, but then all of a sudden it's just over. Like Jason slides down. I mean, of course he was dying. He was dead quick. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, they trimmed it and I thought, 
got just a few more seconds of him in the air than hitting his knee. <laughs> yes. Please, because he was brilliant. Tom Savini. Yes. I and mean, that looked real to me. You know, I remember it, it definitely stole my breath the first time I saw it. It was probably a couple of years before I realized how they did that. Because, you know, I was a, a young kid. I wasn't really well versed in the makeup effects industry to know yeah. that they could do a, a lifelike bust that was... Uh, animatronic yeah. like that so that was very very well done and i heard I think savini the, go ahead go ahead no, i'm sorry, sorry. You, no you, you go ahead no i was just going to say i know you were talking about the effect on the the jason there and also you know they did the i didn't know that they had done a reverse shot for the swing when it hit ted white in the head and full makeup mm -hmm. it was a reverse you know shot of the machete was already there and he, they pulled back and reversed yeah. it but and i didn't know that that is Dumb fan of me, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, they they did that with Jimbo as well with the meat cleaver to the face. That, that was also a yeah. reverse shot. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot right. of a lot of uh creativity going into that one. Now I heard Savini yeah. or I, I'm pretty certain it was Savini. It may have been someone else. So listeners, if 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 I'm wrong here, just comment who said this, but uh said that the effects in part four were cut back deliberately so that we could have a longer Jason demise at the end. And I mm. and I I'm watching this even now, knowing that, and I'm thinking these kills are still very brutal and very graphic compared to at least part two. You know, part three was decent. It wasn't as as what I call raw or gritty as part four, but I didn't miss any of that brutality in part four. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, I would wonder what these scenes would have looked like if they weren't cut back because they are almost a comparison to the original as far as the the gruesome and the gore goes yeah that's what i agree that's what i thought exactly I, I i attribute that to tom's great work i don't know what the mpaa were thinking between one and four but mm -hmm. i think it just goes to show you the quality of his effects and i don't know if he came up i think the writer said he came up with the deaths right and then he told tom we need to do this this and this yeah yeah so yeah that, that makes me think of the the actors like crispin glover and judy aronson and um, all these all these young actors that are making this film, I I know that they're coming up to Tom Savini saying, "How do I die? How do I die?" Because <laughs> my understanding is that their death scenes were not in the screenplay; that they were kept secret because they didn't want anyone to know what the deaths were going to be until they were literally filmed. Yeah. So yeah, there was no that. no information leaked that way. That's right. And I think that, you know, that protected the movie. I know that I read and I could be wrong again, so don't quote me on this, but that the girl, I think it was Sarah, right? She did not like the way she died and the way they had to perform the uh, the stunt mm -hmm. uh, with the act. I think it was the double, the fire axe to the door. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think there's something on that, uh, the Blu-rays that came out that were the director, mm. actually, Joseph Zito talks about that. She did not want to, yeah. she was not looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I did see a clip recently, uh, on YouTube. They have this, this extended behind the scenes, how they did some shots and her death scene was actually on there. Uh, Barbara Howard. And right. I, she had the ax, obviously it was fixed to her chest with the towel. And I, they, all they did, was throw some splinters, which I would assume were probably styrofoam or cardboard, something lightweight that's not going to hurt the actor. And then wow. it was like one, two, three, throw the styrofoam. She reacted and fell back. And the the X was there the whole time, obviously. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, when you're a kid, you're watching it and you're trying to figure it out because, you know, it's not real. You think, was that maybe something magnetic and it just it was a fake axe with the magnetic yes. capture that landed on their towel. But, you know, it's always fun to try and figure it out. And then when you when you watch the behind the scenes, it's, it makes watching the movie that much more fun because now, you know. Yes, yes. That's exactly why I love these movies so much. I was always mm-hmm. trying to figure out how they do that. Yes. You know? And this um, this episode of the final chapter, we're we're getting ready to close up on this one. But I wanted to ask you a couple of questions really quickly here. Um, I'm going to do this at the end of every episode from here out for the rest of Paramount installments. What was your favorite kill in the final chapter? At this point, besides Jason, of course, um, I just think that was the ultimate death in that movie. Um, yeah, it was gruesome. Yeah, it was. I, th- I think in one of our conversations, I told you this. Um, I don't know where he got it, but the spear gun to the guy's groin. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, swimming back to the dock when he found Judy Aronson dead in the raft. I, I just thought, my God, that was like just horrific. And then he takes the time to, you know, pull the trigger after it's already stuck uh, in him. It, uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. a sucker shot up in there. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was pretty fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yes. probably it. <clears throat> so Paul's death is your favorite. Who's your least favorite? You know, I, I hate to say this because I know there's a lot of work done in it, but when he pulls mm-hmm. um uh which twin was it out the window you know terry terry yeah i mean that was a good death and it scared the living crap and it still makes me jump sometimes when he mm-hmm. grabs her but i just thought that was kind of the the weakest of you know considering we're yeah. used to the gore and the brutality yeah. and that was so yeah that's probably it <laughs> see and that's that's funny because terry's death is actually my favorite for a couple of reasons in part four the the jump scare i remember the first time i watched it i probably see it 12 13 times before i could say okay i know when he's gonna break through the window because i could never remember that exact second so the jump scare for me was really intense but when i watched her land on the car and the windows exploded out and she landed on the ground and it was all done in one take so you know this was an actual person hitting a car i mean obviously it was rigged it wasn't you know real windows i'm sure they had it set to explode at impact you know candy glass or something but i just remember watching that thinking man that's fucking brutal how do they do that but um, yeah and this is the way her neck snaps back and then when trish opens the door and she's laying on the ground you can see a big jagged piece of glass sticking out of her neck which obviously didn't happen when she hit the car jason put that glass in her neck after the fact when he placed her in front of the door so that's just like he was like was pissed off or something that he didn't like Terry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she had just had sex with Jimbo, so that was definitely uh sealed her fate. <laughs> yeah, she got an extra extra piece there. Yeah. Wow. She did, she did. But I I, I for as far as a, a least favorite death, I don't I can't think of any in part four that I didn't like. I know there's a lot of controversy in Rob's death with he's killing me. He's killing me. Uh, I, yeah. I, it's not my least favorite, but I, I, I actually liked it. And when you know the truth yeah. behind the line, that somebody, one of the filmmakers had actually witnessed a death and the victim in the alley who was being stabbed to death was literally crying out. He's killing me. He's killing me. So to see oh. that be put into a movie and give that real life victim that kind of immortality it's yeah. it's terrifying when you think that that actually happened to someone and that was their their final words in life was oh my god he's killing me right well, but man, that's truly terrifying man truly yeah yeah but i i would probably say nurse morgan would probably be my least favorite i guess i don't know it just 
it's it it was brutal it just it just as far as the deaths go it looked like it was kind of simplistic yeah. compared, compared compared to the complexities of the others i agree i always forget about her death i honestly do until that scene comes up i'm like ah eh. oh yeah <laughs> i don't know why it's I, I'm not... it's, it's a good jump scare though when she turns around and that hand with the big black nails grabs her by the face and slams her against the wall it's a good jump scare it is that it, uh, it gets me about every time too mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so anyway thank you for listening to this installment this episode of terror talk on the terror express with jimmy presley joining us for friday the 13th the final chapter stay tuned we are going to be discussing friday the 13th a new beginning very soon and you can check out jimmy's book a bloody halloween on amazon and barnes and noble wherever books are sold and we will have some more information about Jimmy's work, uh, future work coming out very soon in one of our future episodes as well. So stay tuned for that exciting news. Uh, you can catch me on Cameo. All funds raised on Cameo are going toward animal charities and foundations. And now through September, all funds are going to help displaced animals in Maui. So thank you again for listening. This is Jason Bradford on the Terror Express. <laughs>